morning. And uh, we're coming to that time of year where it's dark in the morning when you wake up, you know, and you think, I could just have an extra half hour in bed, keep that du duvet around me. And then next week the clocks change. So we're going back an hour, fall back. So then it will be darker of an evening. So it's like you definitely need to be in the house. You need to be in the nice warm and yeah, that's kind of how it is. An extra hour, yeah. We all love an extra hour. We don't always get it, but we love an extra hour. <laughs> so I hope these few thoughts this morning will encourage you. And uh, you know, if you've heard me before, I'm not a really long speaker. So your dinner won't be burnt this morning. You can assure of that. So when someone looks at you, what do they see? So from where I'm standing, I can see a, you know, a good-looking congregation here this morning. All got smiley faces and... You know, you're looking well. So I want you to have a look at the person next to you. <laughs> yes, please, in love. <laughs> Tell them that they're looking good this morning. Yeah, that they're very good looking and that you're glad that they're here. Yeah, that's cheered everybody up. <laughs> You know, it's nice to look good on the outside, isn't it? You know, we all look really smart this morning, we look nice. It's nice to look good on the outside. And in the Bible, it talks about looking good on the outside, but also what matters, it's what's on the inside, you know, and that's more important, isn't it? And who we are in Jesus. And this morning, we're going to look at a few verses, a couple of verses from Matthew, so Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16, that tell us what Jesus says we are. So Matthew 5, 13 to 16, and I'm reading from the NIV. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that, you may see, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We've probably all heard these verses before, probably read them for ourselves. And these few verses are part of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus was teaching to the crowds of people that came to listen to him. Have you ever thought about Jesus being out, outside with crowds of people? He didn't have a mic. And it won't be recorded. <laughs> but Jesus didn't have a mic. And I was thinking, you know, sometimes there were thousands and thousands of people there. That we know for the feeding of the 5,000, there were 5,000 men. So I wonder if they all heard him. Or I wonder if it was just the fact that Jesus was there and they wanted to be where he was. You can think about that this afternoon. <laughs> so when Jesus spoke to the crowds, he often used stories that had a meaning. Or he would use examples of everyday objects that the people would relate to. And we know that he, told, he spoke in parables and that was a meaning, a heavenly story with an earthly meaning. No, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So the story that he told, people would relate to. And in the case of these few verses, he used the example of salt and of light. And they were everyday items that the people knew about then, and obviously we know about today too. And these two examples might seem a bit insignificant, 
But in the first century, in Jesus' time, salt and light were very valuable. In the Roman marketplace, salt was even used at times as money and also as wages. So could you imagine, you know, going to work this week and then at the end of the week, your boss gives you a nice bag of salt. I said, there you go. You can grit your, grit your drive in the winter, but, you know, it wouldn't be as valuable today, would it? But, you know, that's how valuable it was then. And they didn't have electricity either, so light was valuable to them. You know, they had their oil lamps, and that was valuable to them, especially in the dark. And we often take these things for granted now. I guess we don't take salt so much for granted, but we take light for granted. And, you know, we can be called a lot of things, but have you ever been called a piece of salt or a grain of salt? Or have you, have you ever been called a nice light? <laughs> Jesus gives us a call for our lives we are to be the salt and the light of the world. God is saying, you who are my followers, go into the world to be salt and light to the world. Attract people with your faithfulness, with your goodness, with your commitment to me. Follow me and I will make you attractive to people. So we've been entrusted by God to go into the world to take the message of Jesus Christ into our homes, our communities, our workplace, with our friends and our family. And we're to help to lead others to know who Jesus is. And you know, it's exciting, isn't it, when people come to know Jesus. Maybe you've prayed for somebody for a long time and they still don't know Jesus. But keep praying. God's faithful. And when we know that we've been praying for people and they come to know him, it's exciting. But God listens to our prayers and we can be used by God to bring his message of love, his message of grace, hope, forgiveness, and his message of eternal life to someone who needs to experience Christ's love. So salt and light might not sound like a strategy for reaching people, but we have to understand that Jesus was using salt and light as metaphors. So if you know a metaphor is a figure of speech, so you can say something but use a metaphor as a meaning which denotes the object as well, so the idea to suggest a likeness between them. And one thing that salt and light have in common is that they have a big influence on whatever it is they come into contact with. That's the important thing. You know, I've often used examples, and we did on Thursday, we had a, a bright and light party with the kids at Hope Kids. So we got lots of flashing lights and we had our glow sticks. And we talked about letting our light shine you know, and it doesn't mean that we've got to go around with a big candle on our heads, because that would be a bit silly, or a big torch on our heads. But, you know, letting people see the good that we do. One of the kids said on Thursday, letting people see our talents, using our talents. The worship team have used their talents this morning. They're letting their light shine. So we are letting our light shine so people can see them, see it. I read this phrase. When Jesus said, we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, he wasn't saying it's a suggestion. He was saying it's a requirement. Jesus said, you are the light of the world and you are the salt of the earth. No ifs and buts and maybes. Jesus doesn't say you are like a piece of salt or that you might be like some light in the future. He said we are these things and that's a major part of our calling. It's our purpose as his disciples. It's who we are and why we live in this world. And once we accept Jesus into our lives, and uh, we're automatically tasked with functioning as the salt of the earth and the light of the world.
So you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Has anybody ever been to the Dead Sea and floated in the Dead Sea that's full of salt? Anne. But it's a bit amazing. To, I know it's quite rocky, isn't it, when you go in because of all the sediment and everything. But to go in and to know that that salt's actually lifting your body and that's something that salt can do. You know, you wouldn't want to drink it, of course, because that wouldn't taste nice. But any suggestions on what else salt does? Preserves, heals, cleans, yeah. Yeah, melts can be used like to clear pask on it, yeah. So it's got a lot of purposes, and of course to put on our dinner as a flavouring as well. So um, it makes people thirsty. If you have a lot of salt, it can make uh, people thirsty. It acts as a preservative, and it enhances flavour. So Jesus was saying to his followers, here's what I want you to do. Live the kind of life that's going to make people thirst for the truth about me. Have you ever eaten something that's really salty and you desperately need a drink later? It's happened to me with bacon for some reason. <laughs> I have bacon then I'm really salty, uh, thirsty after. So it makes us thirst. And in the same way that it makes us thirst, we're to live our lives in the same manner. So we're to live with character and actions and attitudes which reflect Jesus in our lives, which makes others notice. And, you know, you want people to say, what's different about you? Why, why are you like this? Why do you react in this situation? And how we react to and handle problems and situations should be different. You know, if there's a problem at work, one that makes you angry, and it happens, you know, and there's nothing wrong with being angry, but it's how you react to it and how you deal with it. You know, if we go into the office and we're shouting and raging, that doesn't really help people to see Jesus. But if in the same situation, when we have an attitude of Jesus and we deal with the situation differently to everyone else, that says something different to our co-workers. You know, if they're handling this different or difficulties that come into our lives and our family can see how we handled it, it makes a difference and people can see that in us. There's a little phrase that I've used a lot and it says, tell everybody you meet ab about Jesus and sometimes use words. Because people are looking at us, you know, people look at us as Christians when they know that we're Christians. And we need to be demonstrating Christ in the things that we do and the things that we say. And that will make people thirst because in their eyes you're attractive. And people, you know, we want people to, to see Jesus in us. So we said salt was also used as a preservative. So they had no fridges. So, you know, when they caught their fish, in Galilee, they couldn't put it in the fridge, so they caked it in salt, and that would preserve the food and stop it from rotting and decaying. So when we live life like a preservative, we help slow down the rate of moral decay. I didn't make that up, I got that, but it's good, isn't it? So we help slow down the rate of moral decay. And we don't do it by moaning and complaining and shouting, because that's what the world has come to expect from everyone else. <laughs> little story. I met a, a couple yesterday and they, they were coming to me and they were a little bit late. And they said, oh, we've had such a hectic journey. They're only coming from Warsaw to West Brom. And it had taken them 45 minutes. They said they were going by Manor Hospital and a car tried to cut in in another lane in front of another car and hit the car. 
So the man that the car had hit got out, and the man that had hit the car got out, and they started fighting. <laughs> so they said, we were in the traffic waiting to come past, and these two people were fighting. You know, that's really, you know, hopefully they weren't Christians. <laughs> but, you know, we don't want to react to situations like that, do we? Even though when things sometimes make us really angry, you know, in driving's one. But, um, yeah, so interesting. But, we, you know, we take positive actions. We don't let the world get us down. We ask God to help us and give us his strength and his wisdom and give us his peace. And he can help us in so many situations. He will help us in so many situations if we continue to remember that we're in him and we're with him. We don't need to come into church to come into his presence because we're continually in his presence. You know, we go out into the world and we're in his presence. We live our lives in his presence. We go to work or to school or to college and we're in his presence. And believers in Jesus are preservatives to the world, preserving it from the evil that's everywhere in, in society. We don't have to switch on the TV or read the paper to see something bad that's happened or something that, you know, might be brewing that cause every causes everything to pan so everyone to panic. You know, it's it's everywhere, isn't it? Psalm fourteen verse three tells us all have turned away, all have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. We're all sinners. And thank God we're sinners saved by grace. And our aim is to show God's love to others so that they will want what we have. Simon and I went to a, a conference last weekend um, just in Stourbridge, and some of the teaching was quite hard, hard going. Some of it was really in depth, and my brain was a little bit frazzled by the. It was Friday and Saturday, my brain was like this big when I, I came out. It's not very big anyway, but it was this big when I came out. Really frazzled. But one of the speakers, a lady that spoke mainly on the Saturday, and she was just someone that you could sense the love about her. You know, if she went into a room, and she had been in a room speaking, she was a speaker. And she was speaking to pe groups of people that didn't agree with what she said and that they were there to challenge her. But by the end of what she said, these people were actually listening to her point of view because she did it in love. And some questions was, you know, how do we deal with these people? Well, we treat them with love and we speak to them. That's what I really remember from what this lady said. She knew she wouldn't agree with some people and they wouldn't agree, agree with her, but she earned the respect with the way she listened and treated those because she treated them with love. And that's the way to live. So the teaching that was there was, you know, hard to remember, but being taught with love was easy to remember. And being taught, you know, that you have um, empathy with people and that you treat them on, you know, you're not higher and you're not, you're not higher than these people, but you treat them as equals. So another thing salt does enhances flavor. Salt really makes a difference to your food. Have you ever forgotten to salt your food? Yep. Yeah, it doesn't taste the same, does it? And you can tell. Or sometimes, you know, we put a little bit too much salt in. <laughs> and we, we can tell that as well. You can actually taste one grain of salt. I did it, so you can try that later as well. If you drop some on the table, just pick some up. You can actually taste one grain of salt. So you imagine that salt cellar is the church and it's full of grains of salt. One grain of salt will make a difference. One of us, if we're a grain of salt, can make a difference. People can taste, people can see that we're living differently. 
Remember years ago, the, the um, bags of crisps that had the blue packet of salt? Yeah, I'm going back a bit now. If you, if you don't, do you remember them, Natalie? Oh, you do? Oh, okay. Do they? Oh, I never knew that. Okay, well, I'll get them some of them later. But the, the crisps were really bland, weren't they? If you tried them without the salt. But it was nice opening that bag of salt and tipping it on, giving it a shake. Because it made a difference. It made those crisps taste really, really nice. And that's what we're to be, a little blue bag of salt. Enhancing the lives of those we meet every day. We're to live the kind of life that will show other people that following Jesus will enhance their life like nothing else. Helping people discover that joy, that peace, that grace, and God's love. Here's a good quote. We need to believe in the good news so we can become the good news so we can share the good news. It's good, isn't it? Believe in the good news so we can become the good news so we can share the good news. So think about your walk with Jesus. How well are we demonstrating his love to the world? Do we show the love of Jesus because we really believe in Jesus and we are the salt of the earth? Verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. If we have a light, we're not going to cover it. There's no point. You know, if you're in a dark room and you light the lamp, you do it for a reason. We do it so you can see. Light does so many different things. We've obviously got the, the sunlight today, and that helps things grow. You know, things can't grow without the sunlight. What else does light do? Any suggestions? Makes you feel warmer. Yeah, definitely. Shows you the way. Some shows up the dirt. Oh yeah, it does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking if we've dropped something on the settee, you shine your torch, see all the dust, and oops, I need to get the Hoover under there. <laughs> yeah, lots of things that light does. It illuminates. Remember the Warsaw illuminations, and you'd go around and see all the nice coloured lights. It exposes. We see the dirt. It draws people to a destination, and light attracts people. If we were in a really, really dark room at night, you know, so it's really difficult to see, and one person lights a match, that match will make a difference. You will see, if you're in that corner and someone lights a match in this corner, you will see that light. You know, if the room was clear, you'd be able to find your way to that light because you could follow that light being drawn to it. When I was a teenager, I went potholing. Then we'd ever been potholing. No, I think I was braver then, because I feel now that thinking about it, I'd be <gasps> claustrophobic. But anyway, we went into these big potholes down this, oh, it was, it was terrible. It was really, really dark, really cold, really wet. And we had to all turn off our helmet lights. And the instructor said this was what was classed as pitch black. So he said, you, you could do that. He said, if you see anything, that's an illusion because the light, your eyes would be assuming that your hand was there. You c could not see anything. It was absolutely pitch black. And he then told one person to put back their helmet light back on. And you could see, obviously not as, as much as all the others, but you would have been able to follow that one person with their helmet light. And thankfully, we could all put our lights back on. But that was pitch black. You could not see a thing, but the light made it better. 
So the metaphor as Christians as lights is used a lot. Jesus is called the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. He called it himself. But it's so true. We are to be lights. It's a dark world. You know, when, when bad things happen, you very often see the slogan, light will overcome the darkness. And it's true because light will, light breaks through into the darkness. And when we're using that light as ourselves, we can break through into the dark world. We are to be the better people and to show those, those around us that we're attractive. You know, in our physical self, that's okay as well if we're attractive. But those Christians that will draw non-Christians to us because we're attractive, because they see something in us that they don't see in other people. They see that love and that care and that compassion, the empathy. You know, the list goes on. Another quote. I like quotes. If you want a better world composed of better nations, inhabited by better states, filled with better counties, made up of better cities, comprised of better neighbourhoods, illuminated by better churches, populated with better families, then start by becoming a better person. Yep. You see, we need to be the leaders, not the followers. And we can't be waiting for others to get involved in changing the world for Jesus. We need to stand up for Jesus and show the world just who we are. On Thursday, we sang the song, Let Your Light Shine. And the kids love that song. You know, we can jump about, we can wave our glow sticks and everything. But when Jesus' light is shining through us, people will know it and they will respond to it. And there's a line in that song, it's like when the fear comes, the light shines through. Jesus blows out all the fear, blows out the darkness and illuminates, uh, shows that light and we can let that light shine. And now we've had some parents stay the last few weeks in Hope Kids because they've brought their kids for the first time. The kids weren't sure. You know, I've got not got a problem with that at all. It's lovely that parents will stay because then they see something in us as well. And they're not just dropping their kids off for an hour to go and watch EastEnders or whatever's on. But, come, you know, being able to stay and seeing what we're teaching their kids, but also letting our love shine through to them as well is really good. So you are in the exact workplace the exact school, the exact college, the exact family situation, the exact neighbours that you have for a reason so that you can let your light shine. Because Jesus said, you are the light of the world. We can easily let our light shine in church. You know, we can be nice, you know, we want to be nice in church, but we can be nice out, out of church. We can be nice in the community. We can let our light shine out in the community and in our families and in our workplaces. Do we all know some people that need to know Jesus? Yep, we all do. So we can let our light shine. We can do something about it. We can be the people that show our salt and show our light to people around don't, don't avoid the bad. It's easy to avoid the bad. We want a nice, easy, quiet life, you know. And, but, you know, sometimes we need to get involved because that's what it takes to make things better. And this attracts people to us. So the people listening to Jesus on the mountain understood what Jesus meant by salt and light. We might take them for granted today, but we knew, we know what these things are used for. We know exactly how we can apply them to our lives ourselves. And Jesus expected his followers to be involved in the real world. And not just then, but now also. We should be involved in the real world too. So how sensitive we are to those who have needs. How willing we are to find someone who everybody else is ignoring. 
the lonely people, the forgotten people, those that are dealing with grief, those that are sick, and be the one God uses to extend his compassion. You know, it's hard, isn't it? We have to make an effort. It's hard to think, you know, I need to step out of my com comfort zone here, but I can do something and I can be the one that meets the needs of these people through Jesus. That will mark their lives and it might very well change their eternity. Few things in this world are as salt-savoring and as illuminating as a simple act of kindness done in the name of Jesus. A Christian doesn't hide their light, they let it shine. They apply their faith to life. And the presence of light in darkness is something that is unmistakable. We know if there's a light there and we're in a dark room. The presence of Christians in the world must be like a light in the darkness, in the sense that our good deeds must be evident for all to see. And our deeds will be evident if they're performed in accordance with the other teachings that Jesus talks about, especially in this passage as well. The Sermon on the Mount, Simon's been talking about the Beatitudes as well. And there's so much teaching just in this whole sermon that we can apply to our, li uh, our lives. Does the way you live your life point people to Jesus? Do people see your good deeds? Do they see how you react in situations? Can they observe the way you make life better for those who know you? Can they look at you and say, I need to talk to them because I want what they have. If so, then you're being the salt of the earth and you're being the light of the world. If not, don't worry. God will help us. God will help each one of us to become salt and to become light. Um, so I hope those few thoughts this morning have encouraged you. Uh, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is truth and that the truth will go out into this world. And I pray, Lord, that these words will just drop into our hearts, that you will speak to us through them. Anything that is mine, Lord, I pray that it will just drop by the side, but your words will speak into the hearts and that we will uh, learn and that we will remember and that we will chew over these words, Lord, and that we will just think about how we can become salt and light in our families and in our communities and in our workplaces. And I pray that you will help each one of us and Lord, I pray that you'll just bless my brothers and sisters, that you'll be with them throughout this week, that you'll keep them and that you'll guide them and that your love will shine through each one. In your precious name, amen.